0: Well, I'm I'm, uh, continuing the Reaching Out series about... And and looking at evangelism, should we all be evangelists? The answer actually is no. (laughs) Uh, We shouldn't all be evangelists, but we're all called to do evangelism. Uh, Evangelists, it's a specific um, gifting, according to Ephesians 4, uh, that God calls some people to be pastors, some people to be teachers, some people to be apostles and some people to be evangelists as well. A a particular ministry, um, I've got no idea, if I'm honest, who is and who isn't an evangelist. I I, I suppose you could say, from going back a few years, Billy Graham is a prime example of an evangelist, but maybe you start to see it in people's lives, this desire for evangelism. So, well, they're an evangelist. Um, But one of the things that Ephesians says about... Uh, being an evangelist is that their role is, is as is a teacher as is a, is a, is a pastor etc is to equip God's people so um, it's not as though an evangelist does all the work in a church it's we all do all the work in a church in reality um, so uh, all of our roles as, as believers in Christ Jesus is, is actually amongst other things is to lead people to Christ which some of us are quite good at some of us are not so good at it we're all in the process of learning about it and and I remember when I first got saved I was really really dead keen on reaching out Uh, and uh, but over a period of time that that seemed to be taken over by other things and it didn't become the the um, sharp focus of my life i 'm um, trying to change that, uh, so evangelism is something that we can all get involved in, uh, and uh, it scares us half to death but but we can do it with 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 god 's help you know it 's amazing what God can do through people. Um, I remember um, as as a teenager uh, i wasn 't yet saved I was working in a, in a shop and uh, um, something happened in the show, I dropped something or something, and I and I, and I swore uh, in front of a customer, which you should never do, so I'm told. Um, and this customer, an elderly lady, she said to me, "You shouldn't take the name of the Lord in vain." And I hadn't even realized I'd done that. Um, and and so seizing the moment, um, the next day she came in with with a with a piece of Christian literature, and she said, you know. Yeah, read this, uh, and uh, I think I was about seventeen, and I, I read it, and, and to be honest, it didn't make any sense at all to me. Um, but she was being evangelistic; she was taking an opportunity, uh, and you know, maybe in God's for some reason, God chose at that point not to draw me into His presence. Just a few years later that I became a believer. So evangelism doesn't have to take place from a pulpit. It uh, doesn't have to take place in a, in a big Christian event. It can take place at the school gates. It can take place when you're putting the kids to bed. It, it can take place in kids' church. It can take place in your place of work. It can place, take place in a social gathering. Wherever you are, there can be Opportunities to reach out to people. We may not all be called to be evangelists, but we are indeed called to evangelize. And it never ceases to amaze me how God uses ordinary people to reach the lost. In um, Peter, 1 Peter 3:15, it says, "But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord." Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So Peter says, there's a couple of things that that sort of spoke to me as I was looking at that verse. Um, One is, obviously, be prepared. Um, That's quite important, preparation. Um, Because there are opportunities out there, of course. Um, whether people ask us or not, but the, the other bit was was the first bit. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Um, so if if we have a heart for the Lord, if if we uh, grow in our love for Him and our devotion to Him, um, then you know, then He He is amazing. Let, let, let's let's get that right now. God is amazing. His love for us. We're talking about someone who created everything, who gave his son for us, who who loves us with an everlasting love. Uh, He he knows everything about us. He knows the very worst things about us, as well as the days when everything seems to be going right and we're saying and doing all the right things. So he, he knows all the worst things, and yet, through Jesus Christ, he loves us. One day, we will be with him forever. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. And so we have a, a, an opportunity to, to do what he wants us to do on, in, in this short period of time that we have on this earth, which isn't very long. Um, this life that we have now is not, not a dress rehearsal, for another life that we're going to have on, on earth, another opportunity to, to serve him in quite the same way. Yes, we will, um, in Christ, go on into eternity, perfected in Christ, no more tears, as I've said, uh, living a, a perfect uh, life in his presence. but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And that's the, that's the, the bit, that if, if we can revere Christ as Lord, then... I think all those other things start to fall into place. The desire to reach the lost. If we revere, if we revere him for who he is, recognizing his, his great love for us. and So we can pray for things, for the opportunities to reach out to the lost. We can seize the moment when they, they do arrive. Um, we can uh, speak out boldly. Uh, even speak out meekly. Just speak out. It's better than holding it in. Allowing God to speak through us. And, and God can surprise us. Um, I was on a train a, a few years ago. Um, it, was, it was a hot day. I was up in London. And I was catching this train, as I did regularly, that left London, Victoria, down to Bromley South. And um, the train wasn't due to pull out for several minutes. So I was just sort of sitting there... Um, with the Evening Standard or whatever it was, and um, suddenly this, this fella gets on the train, uh, and and he says, oh, "Can I have everyone's attention, please?" And and you know you know what's going to happen, don't you next? And and so he he then does a, a gospel presentation, and, and and I'm sitting there thinking, this this guy is so courageous. I could never do that. I could never do what he's doing. Um, uh, and whilst I was thinking that, I was also thinking you know he 's not very great at this he 's not very good um, it was It was very underwhelming, but he did it. The guy did it, uh, and there was across from me was a was um, a young lady mini skirt, and as I got on the trail, I could smell a perfume. in fact, I could still smell it, even though I was quite a distance from her and I was thinking for some crazy reason. Um, um, which I wonder what she thinks of it all. And at the end of it, he, um, he said, well, if anybody wants uh, one of these pieces of literature, you know, just put your hand up and I'll come over. And she was the only one. I'll have one of those, please, she said. And I was left thinking, you know, it's, it's so easy to assume things. Assume that someone, or they're not very good at reaching out or, 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 or their words are not very powerful um, or that person will never respond. Now, I don't know whether that, that girl's come to Christ. I don't know whether she even read the leaflet, whether it had any effect on her or not. But she still, uh, she still responded. There was a response from her, which could have been from the Holy Spirit. It's so easy to write people off. Jesus said in John chapter 6 that no one can come To the Son, that's him, Jesus, unless the Father who sent him draws them. So God could have been doing some drawing in that woman's life, and he's drawn you into relationship with his Son. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It it, I mean, there's a kind of choice involved, I know, a kind of decision, but there's a, a work of God who's been. Working on your life. It's quite amazing when you start to think about it. And we have no clue who God might draw. But as Peter says, we should be prepared, always prepared. Um, It says in the Word of God that he who wins souls is wise. So the person that starts to cultivate in their lives a a desire to reach out to the lost, is actually being wise. Um, it's took me a long while to realize that. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It's amazing to think, isn't it? Whatever our position in life, we're actually an ambassador. As though God were making his appeal through us. Um, Let's look at the Word of God together, Exodus 3. This is uh, how Moses was was called. Highly unusual story. Um, I was reading the New Shopper a while back, and for some reason they had a, a story about what ha- different weather that's happened in the UK through the years. And, and apparently in the 1860s there was this incredible heat wave in the 1860s uh, and it wasn't unusual for a for a, a hedge row or something to catch catch fire because of the heat so here we are now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb the mountain of God there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from from within a bush Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the, from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites and Jebusites and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them so now go I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring them to bring my people the Israelites out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt and God said I'll be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. Where you have brought the people out, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I will be with you. Verse twelve. So God calls Moses, um, and He calls us to a, a life uh, of faith. Um, and he forgives our sin. He makes us right with Himself. He tells us that we're a new creation. Um, the Bible tells us that the old has gone, that there is a new that has come and that this is from God. He calls us into this life of faith and it says that without faith it's impossible to please him. That's what it says in, 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 in Hebrew. So God's currency, the thing that, that, that um, God is interested in is faith. faith. It's faith. And and we can be challenged by that because our faith isn't always strong. He calls us to a life of holiness. He calls us to a life within the body of Christ, the church, supporting the church and being supported by it. And he calls us to a life sharing the faith that we have with those outside the kingdom in order that they might know Jesus and have their sins forgiven. We've just been reading that, that God is concerned about the suffering of the Israelites so that he comes down and he wants to rescue them. And, and God is concerned today for mankind. And that's why he sent Jesus to rescue man from man's sin. And so the children of Israel are in a tough situation. They're in captivity And we know that today that mankind is in captivity of sorts by the devil. Deceived and being deceived and deceiving others. Hebrews says that mankind's situation without God is desperate. It says that man is destined to die once and then to face judgment. And that is what people face outside of Christ. They will die once and then they will face judgment judgment it says also that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living god but it also says in hebrews that christ offered himself to god as a perfect sacrifice for our sins and that is the message that we bring to people this ministry of reconciliation reconciling man to god and our god is a a God of salvation. So Moses is, is delighted with this calling, isn't he? Oh, thank you, Lord. I, I'm so pleased that you, you've chosen me um, for this task. Now, of course, he's, he's reluctant. Uh, and, and we can relate to that, can't we? That, that he, he is afraid. He feels inadequate. He doesn't like the idea of, of going back to Egypt, of course, where... Things had ended so badly for him all those years ago. Um, If we put ourselves in his place, we'd feel the same. Moses was once an extraordinary individual um, in his youth. But now, he was feeling very, very ordinary indeed, very average. Back in the day, I am sure that he would have taken up the challenge immediately had that challenge come then. But he'd spent the last 40 years tending his father-in-law's flock, and the once he'd, the life he'd once lived in, in Pharaoh's palace had, had long since disappeared. It was a, 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 a distant, distant memory, and now he was in the reality of looking after sheep, solitude, isolation. Um, the evangelist Andy Frost says that for all his changing circumstances, though ultimately Moses' identity was to be found in God. And, and that's the same for us too. Whatever we feel about ourselves, our identity is actually in God. God calls Moses, Moses, Moses. And, and so he'd become this very ordinary individual Um, and then if we think about the disciples that that God called or Jesus called um, most of these disciples they weren't particularly extraordinary individuals, they were very sort of average guys They they weren't they weren't the greatest people they weren't high flyers and yet, and yet, God calls them to change the world. I think this gives us a bit of hope. It does me, anyway. Uh, it says in Acts four thirteen, uh, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they, being um, the highly educated Jewish council, made up of the brightest and the best. Uh, rulers and elders and teachers of religious law when they saw the courage of the disciples the very ordinary peter and john and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with jesus uh, i was watching the, the, the television um it was many years ago actually it, uh, uh, billy graham was being in and he's been dead about five years. He was being interviewed um, by, um, by a, a guy, I think it was Russell Harty, it was that long ago. Um, he was being interviewed uh, and, uh, about his life, and Russell Harty was trying to catch him out and trying to get him to, well, what's your biggest sin, Billy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, Billy, Billy Graham uh, would have none of that, but he, he, he wanted to illustrate, though, Billy Graham, um, just how. Uh, God uses everyday ordinary people um, like himself, he said. And he said that um, in his early days doing evangelistic crusades, he said, believe it or not, now anyone who, who, who uh, ever saw Billy Graham, uh, either on, on actually saw him at one of his um, crusades or, or on YouTube or whatever, would know he has this most powerful voice that just carries... His, his incredible voice but anyway he said that he was not a confident speaker now he had be- he believed that God had called him to this ministry of evangelism but he really wasn't that great at it um, but he did say well if God's called me to it I better carry on doing it Okay, and, and there's a lesson there for all of us, I think. Um, and so there, he had, a, he had a, a four-night crusade coming up. I think it was in Philadelphia or somewhere. And so he thought it would be an excellent idea if he wrote out all four of his sermons in advance, one for each night. So he'd written them out all, all night. He so, said, well, what can go wrong? Um, and so on the first night that he was, he was going to speak on the power of the cross... Uh, the second night, it was why Jesus had to die. The third night, something else that was gospel-focused. And the fourth night, again, something that was um, about how to become a child of God. But he said that disaster struck. Because within uh, the first eight minutes of the opening night, he'd preached all four of his sermons and come to the end. <laughs> but, he, but he persevered. Okay, okay. He continued, uh, and I, I look this up. Um, according to the Billy Graham Evangelistic Society, in his lifetime, 3.2 million people responded to Christ at his crusades. That's quite good, isn't it? Um, uh, over the last few months, um, Jonathan and myself have been doing some street evangelism, um, not quite as successfully as Billy Graham. <laughs> I know that uh, uh, Yomi and William have, have been doing this too, using the, the turning script, which is a, um, a, a kind of one-minute, two-minute script that you hope to lead them to Christ, lead people to Christ. Um, and, and, and it has helped me, actually, um, despite the moments of, of frustration and, and, and fear and anxiety, it, 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 it's helped me to be a little bit bolder um, and so when i uh um, about sharing my faith, being more deliberate about showing my faith wherever I am uh, and and so recently I started a, a new part time job uh, and I thought it would be quite clever if I told everyone there from day one that I, I go to church and that i 'm a christian and 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 you know you never know what might happen and so so far there 's been, there's been four guys that i 've actually spoken to i mean one is already a christian which is which is great. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. Unfortunately, doesn't get to church as, as perhaps as often. Uh, but you know that's really good. Uh, another one. Uh, I had a a, a a really amazing conversation early on, and and I even tried doing the turning script with him uh, um, while we were kind of working together. But then it, we got interrupted, and and that it came to an end. Uh, and uh, another guy. Um, We've had some really good conversations with... I've had some really good conversations with. He asks all sorts of things about the Christian faith. Uh, And I've been... I mean, it hasn't led anywhere yet. No one's come to Christ. But we just don't know. We have to just go out and sow some seeds and just see what God does. Okay. Step out and do it. Uh, One of the guys, I invited him to church at Easter, but unfortunately he didn't make it. Um, I pray for them regularly. Uh, and uh, look for opportunities and, and one of the things i will say about telling people that you're a believer is that it actually forces you to behave yourself so so you can't say you're a christian and then do the opposite so th- there's a kind of discipline in, in, involved in that which you know i think we can all relate to that you know um you know as As believers, we might be the only Bible that some people will ever read. Um, People do look at us. They look at our lives. They see whether we're genuine or not. And and people, um, there are some people out there that are looking. They don't know know what necessarily they're looking for, but but they know that their lives are just not going in the right direction. And and, and even the most exciting experiences of, of life are just not enough. And, and they, they know that. They know that. So they're looking. And we shouldn't assume that they're not. Okay. Um, so people outside of the church. Um, one in five people. There was a survey recently. Yeah, one in five people in the UK believe that Jesus is God. <laughs> That's quite a. That's quite a high. Twenty percent of the population. That's quite a high statistic. Um, that doesn't, of course, include Muslims who have a reverence for Jesus, but they believe him to be a prophet. So it doesn't include um, the, the Muslim population, which is a growing population in our country. Um, and uh, it, this does include Christians and non-Christian alike, though this twenty percent. One in three non-Christians after a conversation with a Christian, said they wanted to know more about Jesus Christ. Um, and among the non-Christians questioned, they described the church as friendly and welcoming. How about that? But said it can also be a bit narrow-minded and hypocritical at times. The, the survey was carried out in February this year uh, by an organisation called Savanta Comres, um, using a sample, representative sample of the population of the UK Weighted so that the data can be used confidently as a picture of the whole UK population. So there we go. So it must be true. Um, I don't know whether you're a fan of the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, oh, we love it. Just can't get enough of it. Not, not true. Um, but uh, the guy that, that, that nearly won it for the UK, Sam Ryder, the guy with the long hair, um, he was being interviewed uh, earlier this month and he said of his experience singing on the night it was like being in a church because there was so much joy now he's not a believer yet positive attitude about the church uh, i don't know whether you've come across the guy jordan peterson the canadian psychologist he wrote a book called 12 rules for life which has sold uh, over 5 million copies Now, this man is not a Christian, yet, uh, though I believe his daughter actually has come to Fofu recently, Um, uh, so he's not a believer, yet he strongly uh, and and vigorously defends Christianity, more so than most Christians do. Um, He says, Christianity elevated the individual soul, placing slave and master, commoner and nobleman alike on the same metaphysical footing. I hope you're keeping up with this, by the way. (laughs) Rendering them equal before God and the law. And this is what he says. It's nothing short of a miracle, he says. He also said that the Christian faith upholds our civilization in the West. If we remove it, morality and justice will start to come crashing down. Of course, not everyone is open and and, and, uh, welcoming of the Christian faith. We know that. But there's a lot of people out there that they want to know. They want to know truth. They want to know reality. So there's um, lots of good reasons to, to reach the lot. Uh, God wants people saved. Jesus said, "Of the children of Israel, how often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing." Okay, God wants people saved. Um, Last week, Pastor Jonathan said that lost means lost. So when you help bring someone to faith, you're not changing the here and now. You're changing the forever too for that person. Um, You and I know what it's like to be lost, to not have God in our lives, and it isn't good. Uh, When we start reaching out, we're doing what God wants us to do. It's in his heart, and it's a healthy thing to do. Um, We shouldn't keep what God has given us bottled up, hidden away. Um, God wants to use ordinary people like you and me. Uh, When we start making ourselves available, when we start stepping out in faith, even though we feel uncomfortable, even though we feel fearful of doing it, you know, it's amazing what God can do. Um, And he can uh, develop us, change us. And, and, And Moses, who was really really did not want to do what God wanted him to do. He really did not want to do it. In the end, he did it. Uh, His life was never the same again. God changed him again into this amazing uh, individual. Um, We don't want to be amazing individuals for our own egos, do we? We want to be amazing individuals so that God might be glorified in our lives. Final verse. Ecclesiastes 11.4 Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So don't wait for that day when you feel, oh, I feel so close to God now. My life is now sorted. Everything is great. I know what I'll do. I'll start reaching out. No, do it today. Do it now. Start reaching out in life. Start praying for your neighbours, your friends, people that, that, that are in your orbit. Also those that come into your, the orbit of your life for a brief while pray for those opportunities don't wait for some future day when you start to feel closer to god and when everything is great that day will never happen start doing it today let's pray father god we thank you lord that you have called us lord to this ministry of reconciliation reaching out to the lost please grant us the grace the desire the help that we need holy spirit Fill us, Lord. Give us a, a, a desire where there's no desire. Give us the words where we, we don't know what to say. Lord, would you bear with us, Lord? Would you use us, Lord? Would you help us? Lord, That may there be testimony in the house of people coming to faith, Lord, through our endeavors. Lord, we want to do it for your glory, Lord. We want to um, populate heaven and plunder hell. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.